This podcast is brought to you with support from The Big Idea, New Zealand's online hub for creative people. The Big Idea aims to support talented, innovative individuals and organisations and advocates for creativity as an essential ingredient in the cultural and economic wealth of New Zealand. Their website is thebigidea.nz. Welcome to Don't Give Up Your Day Job, the podcast. The podcast. The, the only, only podcast. The only podcast. The one you need. That's right. Today's guest is uh, Mikel Mulipola. He's uh, a professional cartoonist, or uh, sorry, professional animator. Yes. Uh, and he, so he makes comics, yep. and he, he uh, he's also a professional wrestler. Randomly. Which is interesting. Which is fascinating. Yeah, which makes him uh, even a more fascinating character to talk to. Yeah. Awesome. But, but before we get to that, um, our sponsor today is Nick Portman and his new studio, which is currently unnamed. I don't know if it'll be named anytime soon, so um, feel free to write in with name suggestions. <laughs> Bobby's always already made one suggestion, which was Nam Troop. Right, yes. Nam Troop Studios. Portman spelt backwards. Yes. Um, I actually suggested to Nick that he should call it Big Knob Studios. Uh, which he really liked, but he thought might undermine his branding slightly. But I, 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 think, sh- I think he should consider it. You know, yeah. big knob. I mean, studios have knobs. Yeah, so, I get it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's a great studio. It's brand new. It's in Birkenhead. Um, Nick is obviously one of the top producers and engineers from New Zealand who's now relocated to LA, um, but he's still doing work in New Zealand and abroad. And um, he's purpose-built the studio. And he's essentially managing the studio remotely. So the yeah. studio is based here in Auckland and available for um, for hireage or for use. Yep. And it's a dry hire, basically. You just go in there, take your own uh, engineer, if you like, and your own equipment, if you want. But And he can also um, organize engineers and producers for you, too. Yeah. Yeah. While he bases himself in LA. And no doubt he'll come back and do work there, too. So. Oh, he already is. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be back in a month or two. Right. Yeah. Oh, so, cool. um, yeah, it's nickportman.productions is the website. And Portman is spelled with two O's. So check it out. Awesome. So I've recently been watching um, the series on Netflix called Abstract. Oh, yeah. And it's really amazing, and I'd well, I watched, check it out. I've watched one episode. Oh, have you seen it? Yeah, it was... Uh, which one did we watch? It was the first one, I think. Right. Yeah. Which one? Which one's that one? Um, yeah, good point. What's, what was it about again? It was a designer of some sort. Um I can't remember. Was it, it wasn't the architect. It was um, no. But each episode for the listeners is yeah. um, a different type of uh, designer or. It was. Uh, well. I think it was the graphic designer. Oh yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah, the uh, the guy lives in New York, but he's from. Oh yeah, that guy somewhere else. Yeah, that yeah. guy was awesome. Uh, and so there was an architect, and there was the last one was a, an interior designer. Right. There was a guy who did all the shoes, the uh, Michael Jordan shoes for um, Nike. And um, there was a guy who did cars, designed cars. But anyway, it's just a really inspiring series for yeah. for artists, and and it's put together so beautifully that I think it really celebrates creative people. Yeah. Um, and then I've, so I've just just finished watching this, and then you actually raised the guest for today. Oh yes. And it's and it's like it's sort of a similar. I mean, the comic book world. I guess this series has just given me a new appreciation for people that write and draw and yeah. And um, so Mikel Mulipola is our guest today, and he is a self-taught comic book artist as well. Interesting. He didn't go to um, comic book artist school, whatever that. So I don't I don't know anything about the industry, but I'm guessing that probably most of the good ones are self-taught. Would that be fair? Uh, I could. I don't think I'd be uh, qualified to answer that. Yeah. I'm not, um, to a degree, I mean, there must be. I mean, you, when you go to those schools, I know you have to have a full portfolio of some sort. So, right. 
maybe that's from taking art at school. I yeah, don't know. but it's probably like a lot of things where you know it's a very overeducated society now. But you know, yeah. most of the people that innovated in the first place were just making it up. Yeah, like yeah, a lot yeah. of musicians and so on. You know. Yeah, yeah, most most likely. Yeah, yeah. and then a, a lot of the techniques are sort of passed down over time, aren't they? Like you right. know, the Walt Disney. Um, those the Imagineers, I think they were called the, that he would have working for him. Yeah, they had a certain style that they, you know, and then some of those guys branched out and went and did their own thing. And these are also crafts that that start with an obsession, usually at a very young age. So by the time the the yep. the, the, the um the artist is fifteen, they've been at it for ten years or something. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know? mean, and that's certainly the case with Mikel. Um, I guess today he was one of those kids that was always drawing on stuff, you right. know, and and learned that way just yeah. by copying other you know other arts art that he that inspired him it's an interesting thing because it means that if someone um just goes and studies without having that kind of obsession they're, mm. they're always going to be behind yeah i guess so yeah, yeah. and, and that, does it come down to you know the um the talent you know something talent you're born with or is it <laughs> something that you nurture you know we've, we've probably discussed it before but yeah. i had this discussion it's an ongoing thing it's an argument that you can either learn how to play an instrument maybe or or learn how to draw right but there are those people who seem to have that inherent kind of ability i think the word seem is the important word it appears that way yeah because that's the only way we can make sense of it i personally um have yet to see any evidence of there being any kind of genetic uh, explanation for it to me it's just obsession and time yeah and that's right and giving it yeah the time and passion i mean that the more you put into it the uh better you're gonna likely be and i mean that's putting aside those rare cases of of savant Savant, kind of um people who can uh, inexplicably be able to do things without you know just um there's that i don't don't even know the guy's name but he he was able to look at a landscape or or a cityscape once and then just draw it you know um, right right down to the most minute detail yeah i've seen that guy on um tv Mm. was on that's incredible Back no, that's a more recent story, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Like I used to love that show. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to wa- I used to want to be one of those ones who get a box of books for his class. <laughs> you know, or the or the that's incredible jacket. Right. Yeah. yeah. There's so many good shows like Friend that. Like time. the other the other good ones that's sort of similar is um Beyond Two Thousand. Yeah, man. That? Whatever happened to all the fucking inventions they said were coming, like jetpacks? <laughs> we're in 2017 now. I ain't I ain't got a jetpack, right? Or well, uh, a I, replicator. Every now and then, I remember one of these things, and I go hunting online and have like a whole night of obsessing over um, a show I used to watch. You know, and I I had a Beyond 2000 night. Are they around? Mm. Are those episodes around? Um, they're floating around on YouTube. Some of them. Oh, really? Yeah, little bits and pieces. I don't know if I found whole episodes, but I found all bits. Right. You know, and, and did any of it ring true? Uh, I reckon about half of it was vaguely true. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, the one that I because this was maybe two or three years ago that I went digging, yeah. and um, one of them was like a GPS system where um, it's like they hadn't quite worked out yet that satellites would be involved, but the G, the idea of the GPS system was there, but you had to right. like you pre-programmed your destination and it had like the memory of the map, and so then it told you based on the memory, but it didn't know where you were in real time. Right. right and then right. if you got lost, you called the the number, and some lady goes, "So where are you?" And you have to okay. work it out. And it was this very bizarre. And now it's all in your phone in your pocket. Yeah. Well, as soon as the satellite thing, obviously, actual GPS um, yeah. kicked in, then the whole thing was so it was sort of sort of there. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but it's, I mean, technology seems to be moving at such a rate that you just can't. Right. I, I saw something today. Um, Someone showed me, we were talking about um, live streaming on Facebook. Yeah. And there's a, a camera you can plug in literally to the end of your phone, your iPhone. 
It's right. a three sixty degree camera, and you can just and then so people on the other end of it on the on your um, Facebook feed can search, you know, can look anywhere in your feed uh, in the, you know that video that you're shooting, right? And just search around and look around the environment that you're in, and you're just holding your phone up like a, a video camera, or still it's a video camera, yeah. Wow. So you're live streaming a video, three sixty degree video that anyone can look wherever they want um, in your when you're live streaming. Yeah, because because those the still ones have been around for a while, eh? Like, yeah, I've so still the technology fit, I, again. That's the point about technology; it just keeps just moving, keeps and moving and moving and moving. Yeah, and um, innovating. I, surely it's not only a matter of time before they make actual feature films like that. No can, doubt. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, no that'll doubt. that'll be the whole virtual reality thing, eh? Which you yeah, know, yeah, you know or, more about or, than or I do. Augmented, yeah, or uh, augmented yeah. or virtual reality, which is coming, man, at a, at a huge pace, and I, yeah. I can't really wait. It'll be awesome. Yeah, I don't know what I think. I'm sort of. I, I guess I'm just like I'll just leave it until it happens because I don't. I can't really get my head around it. Yeah. It's like the you know how the 3D thing seemed when that first come out, like the 50s or something. And oh, it, even it, earlier than that. Was it earlier? Yeah. Wow. And um, it seemed like it was going to be like the next big thing, but they just got it so wrong. <laughs> the technology yeah. wasn't good enough, and yeah, yeah, and it made people feel sick. And yeah, that's right. Yeah, and then it sort of made a little bit of it. It would pop up every now and then as a bit of a feature in some films. Right. Um, I remember going to my first kind of horror film when I was maybe fourteen or fifteen. Yeah, Nightmare on Elm Street, and it had a three D element, that. and yeah. you put on the glasses. Um, wow, that was a big deal. Back wow. Then. Yeah, and then. I think the new kind of batch of 3D stuff um, came out in one of the Harry Potter films. And then from that point on, it was after that, everything was in 3D. And, right, yeah. You know, but again, in Harry Potter, it was only a certain section where you were told to put on your glasses, not so subtly, inside the movie. Really? Itself. Yeah, it was kind of Someone like... Someone came up on the screen? Said, no, no, the, the characters went, um, okay, well, I guess if we're going in there, we better put on our... Whatever really? the fuck they were. <laughs> And they um, is that in the is that in all in versions movie. of the movie? That's in the script. Yeah, right. it's like it's a scripted thing. I, don't, I can't remember the premise because it was twelve, <laughs> ten years ago. Whatever. Is it but, sort of subtle? Like, in, like in the no, some, some audience not, members would miss it. It's not subtle at all. Uh, no, and I think you're warned as you go in to go. Hey, watch out for the part where you're supposed to put these on, <laughs> kind of thing. But then uh, and now everything is kind of you know all those action type movies seem to be shot in 3D yeah 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 so the technology man i mean who knows we could be living in a fucking simulation right now <laughs> you know simulation it's only a matter of time before you end up in some weird conspiracy it's not a conspiracy why is that a conspiracy <laughs> that seems like a natural if you think about how technology gets to it's a certain perfectly point feasible. where it's where yeah. it's, it's it is perfectly reasonable thank you <laughs> where technology is at such a point where it's indistinguishable from reality and how do you know we're not stuck in you're not stuck in my video game but right we would now. have had to have forgotten the past we all ended up here without me without reala- re- uh, realizing it maybe there isn't a past maybe now is the only actual thing that exists and you remembering <laughs> false memories <laughs> so it's like the matrix oh there you go you, yeah. you're onto it it was an amazing movie it just it was, wasn't eh? true yeah it just wasn't a true had, story well you look yeah, i don't know you, <laughs> you might be speaking too soon now what do you think about matrix two and three was there a matrix two and three are you kidding a little bit. <laughs> yeah. They might as well have not been. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. No, that's what I think. I think there may very well even be a reboot coming. Oh, really? Yeah. I've heard. I reckon it's, it's too early. I reckon the first one's still amazing. I, that's what I think about, you know, the Spider-Man thing. The Amazing Spider-Man came out. I didn't realise that was a reboot. <laughs> Ten years of um, the, a Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. All the, that's what they keep doing with all those um, superhero ones. Eh? They keep yeah, rebooting. Man, it's like, fuck. Fucking stick to a story. Don't do it. Don't do it. If, yeah. As soon as they reboot. Indiana Jones, I'm out, you know. That's right. my favourite superhero. Because he was a superhero. I mean, people... Well, I'm what, pretty horrified about the new MacGyver. That's pretty rubbish. 
Apparently he had a mullet to start with too. And they, and they they cut that out. That's a TV series, right? I think a so, A new yeah. TV series. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, our childhood's oh, it's it's being been, re... It's been, it's been robbed. Yeah, man. Been pillaged. Um, one of the things that I used to love as a, as a, as a young teen or mid-teens was the wrestling, WWE. Oh, yeah. And Did you really? All, yeah, yeah. I used to love going around to watch that on, on um, the oh, SummerSlam. Is that what they were called? Um what, when it was like a back-to-back thing? Yeah, where you'd have a big, not just the show that was on on a Monday night, WWF, but right. the big big thing where all the major fights were happening. And I don't remember. No. Oh, you Did were, you think it was true, though? Did you think it was real back then? Oh, I think as you as I got older, you suddenly sort of started to realise that it wasn't. Because yeah. I remember yeah. seeing, and I can't remember who it was, that they accidentally did clip someone with their arm doing one of those coat hanger things. and. <laughs> right. Then that threw the whole routine out, right? You know, like, and, oh, that hurt. yeah. <laughs> and funnily enough, I don't, I don't even think we planned to do that. But our guest is also tonight is also a professional wrestler. Yes, so it'll be interesting to talk to him about. Which that. is a fascinating so combination. Yeah, man. <laughs> That's why yeah. when you said, "Oh, we're going to talk to a guy who makes comic books and he's a wrestler," yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, right, okay, a professional wrestler at that, right? Does he gets paid? I, I guess that's what what it means. I suppose we'll find out. Yeah, tonight. yeah. Are you going to ask him how much he gets paid for? May as well. May as well. How much do you have to get paid to be a pro? But, but he, he, and he's also combined the two as well. He does a, um, a comic book a cover. There's a wrestling magazine that goes around monthly, I think. Right. And he does the artwork for, for some of those um, periodicals as well. Very so. cool. Yeah. There's, all of these, there's all of these interesting people just hiding in the wings. I know, right? In the and, corners of society. Yep. You know, they yep. don't get on TV usually, you know. No, no, no. Yeah. And this guy is a talented mm. dude, so... Yep. Awesome. Shall we get to talking to him? Yeah, let's do it. Now let's do this! Don't give up your day job. One thing we share is that um, that striving for excellence in doing what you, what you do in terms of the whole holistic view of what you do, not just yep. the art, but... Yep organizing yourself like i mean your website for instance is really well laid out and, yeah. you, and you've thought about it and um there are a lot of people out there who don't even know how to write an invoice or they don't um know how to organize themselves to find work sell, yeah, they sell themselves sell themselves yeah. and yeah. they sit back the, and, art of, the art of the hustle that's right. <laughs> yeah. and that's yeah. what you're doing every day as an yeah. artist eh? you've got um, to hustle yeah um that's, that's one thing I, I usually talk about with you know, aspiring upcoming artists is like one thing you'll learn is the art of the hustle. Yeah, you know, getting yourself out there, getting your work out there, getting your name out there. Yeah, and and creating a um, a brand and a reputation for you know for what you do, and through that you know it just becomes a domino effect. Right. You know, and yep. um, and so yeah. How did you learn that? Just by doing it. <laughs> yeah, you know, like you know, necessity. Um, it's just one of those things where uh, no one was going to do it for me. Right. So you know. Um, so I just went, nah, you know what, I'm just going to uh, get my name out there, especially being Polynesian yep. in the Samoan. Like, no one else is doing it. Right. Like, well, like, to the level that I'm doing it. And so I was just like, well, you know, I have to kind of be the trailblazer and, and kind of be as loud, be as you know, uh, public as possible so yep. that uh, those who follow in my footsteps have some uh, have a path to follow. Right, right. Um, and so, yeah, so I kind of just embraced, you know, being very open about my story and um, and just using social media and the internet and stuff to create um, you know buzz and yeah and a and a because that's platform. one thing we as Kiwis are not very good at and and actually even probably more so I found for Polynesian yeah. people are so humble and yeah. and but 
overachievers in a lot of areas, but they don't like to talk about themselves. And as Kiwis, we don't anyway. Yeah. So it must be really hard for to get that message across. And was it hard for you to to kind of push yourself out there? Uh, no, no, with, not with with the technology nowadays. It's so much easier. Yeah. To kind of get your your stuff out there. But for you to actually get to the headspace to do it. Um. I've always been a bit brash. I've always right. been a bit, uh, a bit. Oh, not uh, yeah, not cocky, but I guess confident. Right, like yeah, yeah. you know, um, were you the odd one out, or is that so, is that sort of your family? Like, you know? uh, my mum, my mum is like I kind of get like I'm not I'm extroverted. Like, yeah. and that's kind of what I got from my mum. My brother's different. He's more introverted, mm-hmm. but um, the outgoingness, the the love of talking to people and performing, yeah, um, comes from my mum, right. Um, and so yeah, so I, I had no problem kind of putting myself there, out there and talking to people and, and yeah. selling myself and selling yeah. my story. And what'd your mum do? Uh she no, she just she did like normal menial jobs. She's you no, know, she was like a receptionist and yep. uh, uh, was it uh, University of Auckland when oh. I was a little kid. And you know, she she uh, she currently works at the Auckland Museum. Um, right. Oh, cool. Kind of, you know, she did like uh, the. I guess the hosting and stuff, but now she's kind of got like a management role. Yeah, but um, but she loves talking to people and stuff. And yeah. so yeah. I think I kind of inherited that. Cool. I remember yeah. hearing your story. I think it was last week when when I saw yeah. you talk at the um, animation college, and you were talking about as a kid growing up in Mangere. Right? Yeah. How um, you always did seem to be the odd one out, but that didn't bother you. You, yeah. you actually didn't want to be like the rest of them, and you um, embraced that in a way. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely something that um, really helped. Was um, not letting other people's opinions define who I was. Right, right. Um, it took, it took, yeah, 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 it took a while to learn that. You know, <laughs> yeah, as a kid, yeah. You, know, yeah. you know, everything kids say about you, you feel it and you, in, yeah. uh, and it hurts. Mm. Yeah. But it was it was later in life where I realized, you know, what? I just don't care. Right. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and the older you get, the, yeah. less, the less you care. Yeah. So, so I was like, ah, oh, sorry, I've run out of fucks. Yeah. I do not yeah. give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, who are you? Oh, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I have zero <laughs> fucks to give today. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, uh, that's, that's kind of what it is. Were you one of those kids that drew on everything as a. As a youngster, yep. yeah, I definitely draw on everything, maths, books, especially. You know, the, yeah. the grids are always really good to draw on. Oh um, yeah, right, because it sort of lays it out yeah, for you. But um, but yeah, no, I draw on everything. Um, yeah. Do you remember when you first got into it, or does it just go way back to be before goes, your memory? It goes, it goes way back, right? Like um, as long as I have, I can remember, I've been drawing. Like I wonder, I wonder what it must have been. Like I wonder if you, you know, um, if you just. Give kids stuff to play with. Yeah, you know, if they just get their hands on crayons and pens yeah. and things, and they just, you know what I mean? Yeah. So. See, that's, that's, I, 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 I have had conversations with other artists and stuff about, you know, how kids are so attached to their devices now. Right. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, like those kind of devices, you know, even though they're playing video games, it's very much a passive mm. form of entertainment because you're you're given it. Um. You know. Um. I'm kind of glad that as a kid, you know, I wasn't exactly popular. Um, and had many friends, so I kind of had to um, explore my in, in, inside my own mind, yeah, to kind of create stuff. That was the great to, thing yeah. about pre-internet yeah. and, and pre-cell phones and yeah. shit. Being I remember, bored. like, yeah, being bored exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I remember sometimes right. on a Saturday afternoon thinking I've got nothing to do. Yeah. Good point. For like six hours, what yeah. are we gonna do? And you just play guitar for four Mastibate hours for most of it. <laughs> well, well, you masturbate. masturbate for I, five I play hours guitar. And Fifty-five minutes, <laughs> yeah. and then five minutes, and then do some paradiddles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, I think I think that's what it is. It's very much just being able to 
to um, feel boredom. Yeah. And then uh, that boredom kind of was the catalyst for exploring right. you know, my own imagination. The Which curiosity. is what kids don't have these days. Hey, there's, no. there's no opportunity to be bored. No, it's just like, give me the phone. I want to play a game. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, or I want to go on Facebook or Twitter. Yeah. What are the kids doing these days? I don't know. It's not Facebook anymore, is it? Snapchat, I think. Snapchat, is the, I don't right. have Snapchat, but yeah. Oh, dangerous. Yeah. I feel very old all of a sudden in this room. <laughs> Especially when you start saying things like the kids. What are the yeah. kids the doing? The kids these doing days? these days. <laughs> um, but it, it is a really fascinating time that that I, I you know, I assume we were sort of roughly the same age yeah. that we've we've been alive on that, you know, very important time in history where we've yeah. gone from no internet to internet yeah. and no devices to devices. So we sort of we clearly remember both worlds. Yeah. And I think we we had the best of both too. Mm. Like, in a way, yeah. Um like I'm I'm a huge adopter of new technologies. Right my work um but i also don't let them kind of dominate my life, yeah. Yeah, dominate yeah. My life yeah. and stuff um but yeah it's yeah it's interesting like having kids never having grown up without that uh, di- no without the dial up yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> internet, or even just not internet um, and not being able to just um have information or an answer at your, at your fingertips yeah. so. i guess there's other versions of this though that the generations before us would say about our generation yeah. like we grew up with tv you know, mm. and there were kids obviously not that long ago that grew up without TV. Yeah, yeah. We're, so. we're, what is the technology like the cutting edge t- technology in your field these days, right at the moment? Is uh, it the VR stuff or anything kind of? Yeah, like you know, uh, uh, VR and AR, augmented reality. Yeah, um, that stuff has really um, been on the up uh, right. recently. I don't really delve in that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, my stuff's purely kind of illustration. 2D kind of um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I don't really go into the 3D space mm. but um, in terms of the tools I use um, Wacom have like a laptop the Mobile Studio Pro which you can do- draw directly onto the screen how, how responsive is that because I found uh, them a little bit dodge but. Uh, the, because I previously had the Cintiq Companion which was their first kind of foray into the laptop right. market with the draw, you know, screen you can draw on Yeah. Um, and I've had that I had that for like three years yeah uh, and that was really good but like it wasn't perfect right and now the new line of mobile studio pros kind of uh, fine tunes all of that stuff oh yeah um and so it's it's really good um it's, yeah, it's crazy good crazy crazy responsive real easy real smooth and so the um pressure all the pressure when you put f- more pressure on yep. the stroke it's d- responsive to that yeah. so do you put your hand on the screen while yep. you're drawing so, yeah, uh, the pa- yeah the palm detection technology is pretty good and that won't fuck with it either no. what, what you do oh, um, that's cool yeah so, yeah, so it's got like 8,000 levels of sensitivity pressure wow um, and there's no parallax so previously there was like a gap between the screen and the, the drawing surface yeah but now with this new one there's no parallax so there's no actual gap you're drawing directly, directly on the screen the surface. Wow. Um, right. and so yes yeah, so there's a lot of things like that that they fixed yeah. Um, is this your main tool now? For yeah, this is this is my main tool. Pretty right. much everything I draw now is digital. Right. Um, and that's more about uh, convenience yeah. and expediency. So, what are the benefits? I mean, apart from just being able to immediately save it and have it right there, but does, uh, it, does yeah, it change so your creativity? It does. Uh, yeah. It makes it faster. Yeah. And, and my workflow is so much more streamlined. Right. Um, using digital, so like even when I'm out out of town, um, all I need is the internet connection, and I can do my work anywhere right I don't have to worry about carrying paper yeah carrying a scanner or trying to find a scanner why do you need the internet um, so I can email all my work oh I see you know, yeah. so like in a Dropbox or right. you know gotcha. and stuff like that yeah. so you could do it without the internet just 
Yeah, I could do it. But internet, it's just like yeah. if I want to send it straight away, it's yeah, just sure. like, you know, So did you used to have to do them page by page and then scan it? Yeah, used to, yeah, right. you, know, you, you, um, you know, there's still a lot of people who like to do the analog style right. um, stuff. And, you know, that's teach... cell animation, is that what they call it? Or? Oh, that's... Or is that um, old, old school? No, that's, yeah, cell animation, I think some people still do that. Um, again, I don't really do the animation side of things. My right. Purely, uh, my field's purely oh, illustration. 2D. Yeah, so like comics and stuff, Comic, you know. Yeah. So, mm. um, so, yeah, so people still like like to draw on paper and they still like that, that feel. But, you know, yeah. like many other artists to each their own. Right, you yeah, know, yeah. Um, each, each, each and every one of us has our own kind of yeah. um, uh, processes. And do yeah. you feel like you've lost anything from doing it old school? Just, uh, just personally? I guess... I guess you get used to the undo button. <laughs> yeah. and so sometimes when I'm drawing, I'm like, oh, I should rub this out. Like, I can't control Z. This, so it changes know. your discipline. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, um, but it gives you more options, or do, is it too many options? Uh, it, it gives it definitely gives me more options in terms yeah. of playing around with. Because um, in the music world, with uh, you know, Pro Tools, yeah. you, rec- you can record endless numbers of takes yeah. of things. And then you can spend the next three days going through takes, and yeah. they're very similar to each other. You yeah. know, it's like. And what I've started to do in recent recordings is actually say to myself, "Right, I've got five takes, and I'm not going to do any like intense editing. I'm just going to like keep the good take." Right. And I go into the recording with that in my head. Yeah. And it makes me it makes me th- kind of step up. Right. Okay. Because if you think, well, you know, we can tune it and quantize it, and yeah. you know, if you start to think like that, you kind of half-ass it a bit. Yeah, a little bit, eh? Yeah. 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 yeah I, I never, like whenever I create something uh, with my digital tools, um, I never go in thinking, oh, I, I can fix all of this. Right. Like, if, if nothing. It's just, it's just, I'm concentrating on the creation of the artwork, mm. um, and then if I need to change stuff, I can. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. But, uh, but it's not really like, oh. It's okay if I stuff up on this artwork, yeah. Because I can always fix it. Because then again, yeah, you're you're kind of half-assed. It. Yeah, yeah. And um, I guess it's also about using the technology to enhance the craft yes. rather than to to make up for laziness and yeah and like um, general shittiness. Yeah, yeah no, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, so yeah, yeah, that kind of mindset. Um, yeah, uh, and I tell people like, they're like, oh, you know, what program do you use? And uh, what brushes do you use? Which is the most annoying fucking question that an artist can get. <laughs> what sticks do you use? What yeah. picks do you? What strings yeah. do you use? See, right. Stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like they're just fucking tools, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Just like the tool that's asking the question. But um, <laughs> but but um, but that's what they are, you know. Yeah. Um, it's the artist. It's the artist that brings it's to life the, the art. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. And so, what sort of things inspire you to 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 draw? What what do you have a process or oh, not not really eh? um a lot of times what inspires me to draw is the money for the gig that they get <laughs> they're like oh, hey honest, man. here's some money draw this i'm like oh that's really good money i will draw that so that's my inspiration but yeah um inspired but yeah, by the money yeah um but like yeah inspiration comes from all kinds of things um you know, I I, I love you know, comics, obviously, yep. but then like cartoons, video games, you know, film, television, you know, people, life, you know, just yep. uh, inspiration comes from anything and everything. You've really. been doing, um, are you working on the Tongan Heroes at the moment? But no, Tongan Heroes I, I've, I completed last year. The one oh. I'm currently working on is Cook Island Heroes. Cook Island Heroes. So I'm, okay. I'm, I'm illustrating the myths and legends right. of the Cook Islands. And so are you sitting down with someone to go through, they, they talk to you about what they are and then you think about what that would represent visually and you draw that or are you 
just doing it from reading yourself up. Oh, uh, no, yeah. So, uh, so the writer, David Riley, uh, he collates all the information and the legends and stuff and, okay. and sends me the stories and then I kind of think about which which moments in that story would be best suited for the images. Right. And okay. so it's kind of that thing is like kind of picking out what would be best to draw right. from the stories. And so you're thinking, in a, I mean, in a general um, scope, I wanted to ask this question as well. Do you think in cinematic type frames and, and where did you learn how to think like that? Because if you're just taking one still image from a piece of writing and then trying to put that up there, how do you decide what goes up there? Yeah, so I I equate like what I do as a comic book artist as like a film director. Yeah, so, totally. If a great yeah. comic book will, you can actually look. It's almost like watching a film going yeah. from frame to frame, right? Yeah. Yes. So so that so each each panel is a is a different shot, you know, composed, you know, um, you know. A lot of times I'll be like, okay, what's the best shot to kind of portray the moment right. that that panel right. Uh, needs and so that's how I kind of picture things in a, in a very cinematic um, mindset. So, yeah. Okay. Do I use this angle? Do I use this lighting? Do I use this <clears throat> shot? Because they yeah. all mean different things. Yeah. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that's actually, that's how they actually map out a film, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So so storyboard. Storyboard. Storyboarding. Yeah. Storyboarding. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So there's there's been a few comic artists who who have done storyboards for films and right. stuff um, because it's just a. It's just the same kind of same process. Discipline, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so like, I've had people like look at my comic work and go, "Have you ever thought about being like a director of photography or something?" Like, and they're like, "Yeah, because like the shots you've used, you know, are, are so interesting and, yeah. and varied." And I was like, "No, nah, it's just this is just kind of what I do as a comic book artist, right? Yeah, right." You know? And um, and each panel again has to have a different shot and you know, um, different angle and stuff because. Most of the time, you know, people think comic books are about action and uh, superheroes. Yeah, yeah. But most of the time, you're drawing two people talking. Right, right. Um, and you got to make two people talking look very interesting, or else you lose the reader. <laughs> and so, so yeah. So it's always interesting to kind of make those quiet moments look as appealing and as yeah, uh, yeah. enticing as possible without, um, you know, without the reader kind of going, oh, more people talking. You know? So yeah, is so more people talking with a bubble with Comic Sans in it. Is that the yeah. is that the font they use? Comic yeah. Sans. Oh yeah, yeah. we fucking hate Comic for like, Sans. For like Garfield or something. Yeah, the old yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, yeah. So yeah, so stuff like that. There's, there's so much more to it than than people take. You know, people always take you know the surface elements of that. You know, those who aren't practicing art, mm. who, who kind of consume art. Yeah. always take the surface elements not understanding the processes because right. you will need to know some sort of if not technically the the um, terminology but some of that film language right um, in yeah. terms of the 180 rule and also you know orienting someone in one frame or one yeah. um, panel but then if you suddenly put them on the other side of the panel next to that it doesn't make sense and following you know logical shots yeah. on from others you can, you can do that um the the thing with comics is that you can break that 180 rule right okay um because you know the the um the reader's following the line of action right, right? so you can you can break that 180 rule and i guess rule. they can go back to to yeah. to reorient yeah. themselves right but like oh, the film, yeah. because because it's it's more passive where you, it's coming to you yeah you know that that's when it becomes disorienting when you break that 180 rule right. and i know there are films that use that uh, that device as a jarring breaking, yeah, technique as a, to yeah. kind of you know jar, you know jar the audience like oh yeah. but yeah but with comics and stuff you can swap you can uh, break that one eighty rule and still have it make sense yeah I mean breaking the rules is what kind of what's all that's mm. where you where great art comes from like yeah, yeah Hitchcock would have a, a yeah. you know a, a framed off shot have the, the person walk out of one side of the frame and then inexplicably walk in the other side <laughs> of the room and it would throw someone out and go oh fuck that's 
Yeah. And then the next scene would be something that would be really scary kind yeah. of thing. I wonder and how they filmed that. How did they make that happen? Just walk behind the camera. Yeah. And come in the other side. Oh, and then cut it in the like no, close, no, 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 no. They just keep walking. So they walk out. That say you've got a frame. Right. They walk out. Frame left, mm. frame, frame right. Yeah. And then they come around and come in the other way. I just see. doing some mundane yeah. thing like putting a book on a table. Oh, Not I intending see. to scare you. I thought it meant that you know he went out of shot and came into shot at the same time. No, as no, as no, if he was no. going through some no. sort of oh, no, portal. That's special effects. Yeah. I don't know about that shit. <laughs> but yeah, I know that, so that's really... And so do you watch films to inspire you or, you, or you're more of a comic book reader and you get your... Uh, yeah, no, as I said, you know, inspiration comes from anything. And I know uh, while I'm drawing, I usually have Netflix on right. my iPad. Yeah. You know, um, and so sometimes I'll be you know, uh, watching something and sometimes something will pop up. But, oh, that's a really cool shot. And so right. it's, it's more about... Um, Growing my own visual language yes. through, through different mediums, right? Um, because you know, like if I just solely concentrate on comics, yeah, um, then that's just that's just a, a small part of visual language, yeah. Right. But like kind of ingesting everything else that uses right. visual language kind of gives me more to draw from when I'm actually right making comics. I know what you mean because I've I've noticed more and more recently I've been getting inspired by crafts that aren't what I do, yeah. You know, and I was I was telling Bobby before about this show on Netflix called um, Abstract, this series. Of, oh, you see, I'll be, yeah. I, I, mean, I watched. I think I'm up to episode three, right? Uh, with the architecture, really, which was, oh, man, the architecture amazing, is right? Awesome. Yeah. yeah, and so um, and and just so none of these fields have got anything to do yeah. with me, um, but I find they just totally inspire me, and they yeah. that you know they just get that whole muscle going. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, mm. So yeah, so it's that kind of thing. Like um, they're all related, just different branches, kind of. Yeah, you know, they all have the same root of visual language, just mm. different branches and. And so the more you can draw from the roots, the um, the more you can kind of create. So how did you go from being a kid with an obsession to an adult with a job? It's uh, great, great question. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's interesting because I, I tell people it's like I was very lucky to have fallen in love with comic books at yeah. such a young age. Mm. Um, just before I started school, I found a whole stack of my uncle's comics. Like and when you were five or four, or yeah, that, five, yeah. <laughs> comics right. like that. No, it was, it was yeah, it was, it was comics. <laughs> right, okay. people, yeah, yeah, people are like stack of comics. <laughs> like, yeah, right. two thousand ADs. And, oh, okay, right. uh, Rom the Space Knight and yeah. stuff like that. Penthouse. Um, and so, as a little kid, just like these these colorful pictures and like these over the top characters kind of yeah. captured my imagination. And so, yeah, um, and so my love of comics at such a young age kind of also turned. I love to draw. Like every kid loves to draw. Right? Yeah. Before oh, school, yeah. there's just this um, this this feeling that the kids just love to draw. Like to right, do, whether yeah. they're good or bad, it's just this thing that kids love to yeah. do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah. as they get older, they kind of grow out of it or not. Um, in my case, but having comics at such uh, such a young age and like and having loving to draw, it's like when I started school, that's all I wanted to do. Right. And, and that also kind of stemmed into my love for reading because mm. I threw myself into learning how to read as soon as I hit school because I wanted to read the comics I had at home. Oh, <laughs> and so, right. um, and so I was always reading at a higher level than uh, than the the school year I was at. Interesting, um, because of my love of comics. Yeah. And so I'm very fortunate to have had that at such a young age that has kind of been an anchoring point throughout my life. That's one of the great things about a kid getting into something yeah. is that you pursue you know, knowledge and so on on your own terms, yeah. you know, I mean, the number of kids who are probably just reading what they're told to read yeah. and you're actually reading on your own time. Yes. You know, um, uh, for yeah. me, for me, like writing lyrics and writing songs, yeah. it gave me a huge leap forward in, in um, English class. Yeah. 
Yeah, you stuff know? like that. It's yeah. um, you know, like I was I was reading like sci-fi and fantasy right. and stuff. Like I had read Lord of the Rings before I was ten. <laughs> like, oh, like, yeah. and, that, and that all stemmed from my love of comics. Yeah, like, comics really fostered my love of reading. Mm. You know, and I loved the, the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe series and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I loved reading about dinosaurs. I still love dinosaurs now. And yeah. You know, mythologies, all kinds of different mythologies as well. I loved all of those stories. Yeah, awesome. and and like all of that stuff, I I, I was reading like before I was like around eight. You know, it was just like right. it was just stuff that I just I could I wanted to just to learn more and yeah, all that stuff and informed my kind of imagination. And, yeah, yeah, and and creativity. Cool. Mm. I remember getting yeah. into trouble once because I I really liked the He Man series, the yeah. Masters of the Universe. Yep, and. I would concentrate on just trying to draw the muscles and the arms and the torso part yeah. of it. And on the back of my book, I just drew that part. And this girl next to me went and told the teacher that I was drawing boobs. Because I, I put <laughs> nipples on... Pecs, yeah. yeah, I put pecs on the yeah. guy with nipples and I got in a lot of trouble for that. So I, wasn't, I, I just didn't want to draw anymore yeah. at school. But do, do you know what's weird? Is I was just about to tell the same story. No shit. Yeah, I've got it in a box in the next room. <laughs> I, oh, right. I drew a picture of a monster. It wasn't He-Man, it was just a monster. And I wanted to make big muscles as well. So I draw circles with dots in the middle. Right. And the teacher actually, like, there's a note on it saying, come and see me. No shit. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I got, I got ripped from my... I remember standing there going, Dip. But, you, but men, they're muscles. Men have nipples. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, well, that's amazing. Yeah, that's an incredible story. story. Yeah. Wow. Fucking mm. hell. Maybe you told me, and maybe I stole it. No, probably. That's that usually story. what happens. What? Um, <laughs> I always steal your good shit. What? Um, what was your favorite superhero to draw as a kid? Uh like in X Men. Like definitely, I loved as a kid. Um, you know, just the comics were so exciting. The artwork was fantastic. Yeah. And so X Men definitely was one of those ones that I loved to draw. Um, See, I don't, I don't remember X Men. How did you hear about some of these things? It was just, um, like as a kid, like I would just pick up comics, just random comics from the dairy right around the corner. Yeah. Um, so like you know whatever speed change I had, mm. it's like oh there's a comic. I didn't, I didn't care what character it was. Yeah. Um, it was just a comic, and uh, and I know. X-Men. Did you care whether it was Marvel or DC? Nah, it was just no. comics. Like to me, it was like it's just comics. <laughs> Go read it. Yeah. Asterix yeah. and Oblix. Yeah, Asterix and Oblix. Yeah, that, oh, was, yeah. that was yeah. that was my Asterix one. And then, yeah. You know, and Tintin and, and all that. Um, so yeah, so like it was just anything uh, and everything I could really get my hands on in terms of comics. Right. There was no this or that. Yeah. It was just a comic. Buy it. <laughs> the X Men to me, I only came to them because my brother was is a is or was a comic book collector. Yeah. He's got stacks of them, like first edition at my mum's um, uh, attic at home. Wow. Um, and I think he wants to get rid of them. But the the X Men <laughs> one seemed a lot darker to me than say like yeah. your Spider Man or your Superman. Yeah, type. the the the, the X Men um, like the cool thing about the X Men is because they they were coming they were kind of created around the civil rights era. And so, oh okay. Um, oh right, of course. Yeah. yeah. And so the the whole so they idea were mutants. Of, the whole idea of mutants being outcasts in society right. very much was uh, you know. Um, mirroring what was happening in the civil rights movement right and then like in the 70s with the kind of sexual revolution and stuff there was a lot of um you know queer um, right people who were kind of seeing music so the idea of the others yeah you know, right of the the ones that never really fit in society yeah yeah um and, and that's always been a long-standing theme in the uh, X-Men. And so a lot of people you know um really really kind of identify with the X-Men right in right terms of that outsider status See, I thought that I, I I did I don't remember picking that up in the comic books, yeah. but I do remember obviously that was a strong theme in the movies when they first came out. Yeah. You know, the the mutants were out, yeah, definitely yeah. outcasts or mm. different yeah. from other people. Yeah, I was I was a, a sort of a Superman kind of, and then sort of Spider Man, but um, 
I, I kind of went away from comics and went into films at, at a sort of young age. But as I say, my brother's got stacks of those, of of uh, all different types of comics. Yeah. I always thought Superman was naff. Uh, well, like, I came, like, to, like I came to think he was naff. He's like yeah. the jock of superheroes. And he's the, it's like, fuck it, you, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the super nice guy, or yeah. Clark yeah. Kent. He's just a he's twat. He's too square, yeah. and he's yeah. unbeatable. I'd be uh, way yeah. more into Batman any day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not even a big Batman fan, but like right. sooner than... Be. Yeah, I would be. I think we were talking about this in the sort of intro, but I was more of an Indiana Jones. Oh, yeah. People don't see him as a traditional superhero, but he is. You know, he had the alternate, what do you call identity with... Dr. Henry Jones, the archaeologist, yeah. and then you had the adventurer right. kind of guy. So they had those two kind of, and uh, and you go off and have these amazing adventures. Yeah, know? me too. He was huge when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I've never been a huge fan of Superman. I've, I've never liked the squeaky clean. Nah, yeah. Of, like I never felt. Um, Were you secretly relatable. hoping he would die? Right? Yeah. When you yeah. Were, <laughs> it's like, like someone never, just kill yeah. him. Never seemed relatable. And especially that thing, like, yeah, you know, yeah. like nothing can kill him but kryptonite. Well, yeah. you kind of start rooting for them. Like, come on, someone get him. There must yeah. be a way, there must be a way yeah. to do it. Like, like DC um, and their, their heroes are very much like gods. Right. And so, so the way I kind of break it down is DC um, characters are superheroes. Right. And Marvel characters are superhumans. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Interesting, yeah. You know, they're, they're humans with relatable issues and mm. stuff who are kind of gained powers. Yeah, um, you know, and and so trying to deal with powers in everyday life, yeah, was so much more relatable. Like I love reading Marvel stuff because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and because I've never been one for like worship and God worship and all that stuff, mm. I never really could um, get into like Superman. Right, right. He felt very much like a like the untouchable, yeah, you know, paragon of. But they've yeah. they started to make them more fallible, fallible too, right? I mean, he died in that last movie, yeah. and obviously in the comic books he dies. Superman dies. Yeah, does he? Yeah, how, and how um, does he die? I think he gets into a big fight with uh, this dooms, doomsday with this big creature, right? Yeah, um, and yeah, they both die. Like right. they have this massive fight, and Superman wins, but then he dies as well. So yeah, but what does he die of? I uh, just. Wounds, <laughs> really? oh, wounds. Yeah, oh. like Doomsday was a creature created specifically to kill Superman. Right, and so uh, and so they just have this massive fight. I was so, kind of hoping you'd say they had this big fight and then he died of pneumonia. <laughs> died of a cold. Yeah. yeah. Um. There was a, today was the um, Thor three was released. Yeah. The, and, the trailer, yeah. The trailer. And he's vulnerable in this film too because yeah. his hammer gets yeah. fucked up. Well, yeah. See, so so Thor is a god. Yep. But in the comics, um. He's brash. He's arrogant, and in order for um, for him to learn the lesson, Odin um, sends him to Earth in the form of a crippled doctor. Ah. And so, and so, um, so he kind of has to learn humility. Okay. And so, even though he's like this godlike character, there's yeah. still that relatable issue of you know, like you know, um, of being arrogant, and you know, you have all this power, and he was kind of abusing it and using it for stupid shit. Right. right, and so Odin's like, you know what, you know, I'm sending you to Earth, and this time you have to uh, help people as a doctor, mm. and you know you've got you're crippled as well, and so you have to kind of deal with that and and understand. Did Loki kill Odin? Is uh, Ragnarok? Yeah. Um, oh well, in the movies, he uh, Odin's still in what's called Odin sleep, which is the oh. kind of coma. Right. Um, Status that he he spends like twenty five years right okay. so sleeping oh. um, lazy prick yeah he, um, he is old but um, <laughs> but yeah so Loki kind of just took his form and is pretending to be Odin uh, so yeah so people okay. don't, don't realize that Odin's still 
um, somewhere. See, what, I quite like this aspect of comics and, and, and lots of things like yeah. this where they, they're telling you uh, life lessons and yeah. ethical stories, moral moral stories, you yeah. know. Um, and that's something that humans have always done, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's like, storytelling. Um, right, storytelling. I mean, yeah. and, and uh, it's interesting because if you say to someone, don't do that, yeah. it, it's quite abrasive and then they're actually more likely to do it probably. Yeah. But by telling stories, we give context and we give yeah. outcomes and, and that sort of thing. Um, and that seems something that's lost, I think, also. Yeah. It, like, what's the new formats? Like, reality shows. Yeah. Kardashians. Or, what do you get out yeah. of, you know? Mm. Or virtual reality, like, really immersing the person in the story you're telling. Yeah. And taking them yeah. on the journey firsthand. But <laughs> what is there that's really actually provoking the mind and yeah. challenging your um, your um, internal logic and empathy and, you know? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, it is, is kind of how, especially, like, with reality TV, just all over the freaking place. Yeah. Mm. Um, though I did just finish binge watching Thirteen Reasons Why on Netflix. Oh, I've just started watching that. Is it a reality show? No, no, no but it's it's, um, it's, it's, it's really it's, good. It's, it's heavy. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I couldn't stop watching yeah, it right. because uh, because of how relatable it was too. And all I could think was, yes, it's about time something like this has this story has been should, right. be, should have been told yeah. ages ago. Do you know the premise? No, but I, but I was about to sort of mention about how things do tend to, to ha, or have, as maybe the audiences have grown up, yeah. tend to get a bit more adult and darker. You know, like you've you've got your Deadpool, yeah. your antiheroes. You know, it started with Hancock, I think, from my mind. You know, the Will Smith character. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he was a hero, but he was a bit of a cock. Yeah, <laughs> and um, uh, great. Yeah, movie. the Watchmen, another yeah. one where that's you know, there's all the sex involved, and yeah. there's um, they're a little bit fallible and a bit you know but the, but the way back in the day all the fables and old stories used yeah. to be dark and edgy oh fuck yeah. Yeah. and like nursery yeah. rhymes were dark and edgy yeah. Yeah. and then, yeah, and then yeah, we've yeah. gone through this process of censorship oh, and you yeah. know where the, uh, you know? Snow White you right know, where they poisoned her to, Hansel yeah. and Gretel yeah yeah, fucking eat the kids yeah Bobby Yaga and eating kids yeah I mean right. and then Disney came along and yeah. Disney fight it all and then yeah and then a number of other things in society sterilised everything and now this is what's so exciting about things like Netflix is that they actually want like potent content? Yeah. So yeah. what's the what's yeah. the premise of this? So you see, it's, it's, it's about um, it's a story about a girl who's committed suicide, and okay. she leaves these tapes behind for students to listen to, and it's kind of cassette tapes, by the yeah, way, cassette tapes. Yeah, <laughs> and it's kind of like the thirteen reasons why she killed herself. Right. And, and each person she sent the tapes to is somehow in her story of yeah. It, it, like leading to the reasons why she took her own life. Yeah. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty heavy, but it's, it's done really well. God damn! Like, like I was like, okay, this could this could have been done so much worse. But yeah. it's, it's done yeah. really, really well. Like visually, it's, there's some great um, shots and, and um, choices in terms of how they uh, envision. Because right. um, I think it's based on the book, but um, but it doesn't it doesn't shy away from it. And I'm only yeah. a few episodes in, yeah. but what I find really interesting right from the start is that the the because the girl who's taken her own life is in the is in the show because it keeps showing flashbacks and stuff, oh, okay. and she's narrating. Right. Um, and from the outset, she seems is she really, narrating from behind beyond the grave. You, well, they, we're listening to the tapes that yeah. she's recorded. Oh, the, I see. The, okay. the cassette right. tapes uh, she's talked to, into yeah. a um, oh, like a, dic- a dictaphone yeah. or something, right? Kind um, of like yeah, mm-hmm. like last will and t- like yeah, like, you're like. Hey, if you want to know why, here's why. Oh, and the thirteen like lovely the, bones or something. The but. thirteen reasons are thirteen sides of the cassette tapes. Yeah. I think. I think that's how it yeah, works. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, something so like that. Yeah. yeah so. But from the outset, she's she's really cool. She's nice. She's pretty. She's she's she seems like a yeah. together popular girl. Yeah. Um. And so, like I say, I'm only a few yeah. episodes in, but things start to kind of crumble. 
All right. Uh, you know, at the hands of other people. So it's just a it's a really interesting uh, subject yeah. for a big show to take on. And and you know? I think the way they present it and unflinching and uh, you know uh, not molly coddling it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the subject for young people, especially to watch, um, means that um, you you get to see the kind of ramifications of that kind of decision. Yeah, and um, especially with suicide rates being so high in New Zealand. Yes, I was watching. I go, yes, young people need to watch this and see mm. and know that um, shit like this happens, but yeah. it's not the end of the world. Right, right? and and even That's though right. um, it may feel you know, like the worst day of your life. Yeah. Understand that once you're gone, you leave people behind who, who care who, yeah, about you. You'll be suffering, you know, that from that kind of decision and stuff. And that's so why, yeah, people say it's a selfish act, day yeah. in a way. Um, and like, yeah, it, it, it's pretty heavy. Like, wow. uh, and I was, it, I, was, I was surprised. I just had to keep watching because yeah. yeah. it, was, it was presented in such a great way as a TV show. You, you use the term molly, molly, molly coddling. Yeah. And do you think that that's kind of what's happened in this day and age and we're kind of seeing a little bit of a pushback? We're definitely seeing a pushback, yeah. sure. On the yeah. PC kind of, you yeah. know, because a lot of things people go, oh, that's going to trigger someone. You yeah. can't say that. You can't mm. do that. Well, that, I wanted to um, go back, you know, sort of answering you at the same time. But, yeah, cool. Um, but on the suicide thing, um, years ago, do you remember the, the charity Yellow Ribbon that we yep. used to yeah, have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, fight and, for life stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, and for, for many years, um, we played gigs for them yep. and shit like that. And um, I, and I really um, believed in, in helping their cause. You know, yep. they were doing great work. And they got some bad press. And, it, and there was like a big thing in the press, like oh, yeah. maybe 2003, 2004, um, about them. And, the, and the, a few people decided that they were putting the idea into kids' heads. Right, yeah, and if you're if you're advertising about fighting suicide, you're yeah, you're uh, you're glorifying suicide. But you see, the thing that really pissed me off is that when we would go and do gigs and stuff, yeah. I remember one particular time doing a gig, and I said, um, I think the guy from Yellow Ribbon said, "You can talk between songs, and if you think there's anything relevant to say, then just say whatever you want." Yeah, and um, he goes, "But the one thing you must not do is use the word suicide." We're not here to talk about suicide. We're here to say um, um, there are answers if you need answers. Mm. Um, what what was their slogan? Um, it's it's like something like it's okay to ask for help or something, yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, I think it was it. Yeah. So so they, their whole thing was they put leaders into schools. So if a kid was in trouble, they they could find a peer that they could reach out to. Um, and so that's what they were going into schools to promote. And so we'd do right. gigs and as part of the attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what he said. So we never talk about suicide because that's not what we're actually about. We're actually trying to put solutions into place. So right. brilliant, okay. But then someone said, I guess in the media, oh, they're putting the idea into kids' heads. Right. It blew up and became this big thing. Yeah. And then they lost all their funding because now all the sponsors and so on uh, were scared to support Christ. them. And they basically fell apart over the next year or so and i think it was about 2005 um i got an email the press release came out that they had to end and i was like oh great okay so we've got one of the highest youth suicide rates in the yeah. world yeah and now what we're gonna do is nothing yeah right there's no, no what support a for them. much better idea yeah. <laughs> fucking stupid yeah. pricks yeah it's kind of like it's kind of like um the abstinence yeah. uh, hey hey kids we're gonna teach you abstinence yeah yeah uh, definitely don't yeah. fuck yeah <laughs> no fucking because we don't want you to have the idea of fucking in your head, yeah so. okay so, and i don't know if there's anything in place now 
I, yeah, I, I, I think I there think, might be a cherry. Yeah, yeah, summer, yeah. But there, there are some some cherries, but nothing to the prominence of what Yellow Ribbon had. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's um, a great example of where art speaks. Yeah. You know, which is what we should all be defending. Yeah. Well, and that's the great thing about art. You can kind of say th- things without actually outright saying it. Right. right? Yeah. You know, telling um, stories. You can get around. Yeah. yeah. Telling stories and, and, and getting through to people, messages through without actually hitting yeah. them over the head with it. Well, yeah. good art yeah. anyway. Exactly. My, from my point of view. I mean, that's the difference between telling a story and preaching. Yeah. Yeah. You know, right. That's the great thing about stories. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking uh, of stories, we never actually did get to the point of how he became a um, pro. <laughs> A pro, oh right. When did you first get paid to do what you do? Pro illustrator or pro wrestler? Yeah, well, let's get to that, man. Uh, I definitely want to get yeah, to that part uh, of your. Um, so yeah, um, so somewhere along the way, you've you've obviously yeah. clicked that you can actually turn this into a career. Yes, and then so, somehow you figured out how to. Yeah, so um, so it's an interesting story. Yeah. So um, there was this comic book store in uh, Onihonga uh, called Gotham Comics, and a good friend of mine, Jeremy was working there and I used to kind of frequent the comic store uh, and I'd done like I'd worked at Burger King and shit and you know just you know mundane jobs um, and I thought oh I just feel like going to the comic store see what's there and I remember just falling back in love with comic books you know after a, a short stint away from it um, and I remember thinking oh man I really want to get back into drawing yeah and around that same time Jeremy um, had noticed there was like this uptake in kind of creative customers who were like drawing or wanting to make their own comics and so he thought it would be great to kind of collate that and create an anthology so you'd, you sort of faded away from drawing a bit yeah point. you know um, for a few years um, you know the, the school system really fucking hammered any creativity uh, out of me for I know totally what years. you mean yeah um, you must have gone to the same school as me <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I, I was never I had great art teachers but they couldn't understand what I was wanting to do, you know, right. comics and stuff, you know. Yeah. It was just like, they, they liked my artwork and so promising it, but they couldn't understand, you know, what what kind of medium I was trying to create. Um, and so I never really cared for the whole creating a board, a folio, yep. sending it down to Wellington. Like, you, you're putting your heart and soul into this board, these yeah. boards, and sending it down to Wellington to someone who doesn't know you, doesn't know your story. Yeah, to mark you on something to, that's to judge it so subjective as right. art, right? Yeah, right, right. and so I went, fuck it, I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna do work for the for Symphonia. Good. So for art design, I did one board and just fucked around for the rest of the year. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, I only, I got twenty five percent for my one board, so I got I got four marks for one board. Um, but you know, but I don't pass because I don't do any other boards. Um, and so yeah, so that kind of just like you know. Um, made me tired of, of drawing and I kind of right. my creativity dwindled after that there's a fucking big conversation in uh, right in there yeah. they, um, they stopped you yeah. they, they fell you they caused you to fall out of love with your own love but I still kind of ingested other mediums you know, I played a lot of video games in that time and you know cartoons I still watched and yeah. movies and stuff so, so I was still kind of feeding my visual language um, library um, and so when I when I discovered comics again and I started getting back into it, um, the creative floodgates just opened. Yeah. Like all that stuff that I just, you know, through osmosis had uh, ingested, kind of just came out. And and so Jeremy um, managed, uh, offered to create this anthology for his customers to kind of submit their own comics and stuff. And so, um, so I I jumped on the chance to do that. Um, And uh, I won, I won uh, an award 2006, for like a 
best New Zealand artist um, and stuff. And the real turning point in my in my career that made me realize I can actually do this was in 2010, V Energy Drinks. Oh, yeah. They had this Facebook competition of all fucking things. <laughs> they had this Facebook competition called Pimp My Life. Yeah. And uh, pretty much they were asking people to tell V how they can pimp their lives to the amount of $10,000. Right. And I had a few friends enter. It was popping up on my news feed. And I was like, oh, this looks this looks interesting. I'll, I'll, fucking, uh, I'll, I'll have a look and see how that goes. So I took a look and I thought, you know what? I want to be a comic book artist. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I've always dreamed about doing. And I want to see how I fit, I guess, on the international standard. Right. And so I entered and I did this two-page comic. I started at like 11 a.m., finished it at 4 a.m. Like just the whole day through, <laughs> I just I just created a two-page comic, which was my kind of image to promote my my um, entry. Yeah. Because you get one image to promote your entry. So there's two-page comic of V-Man um, kind of thing, which was me kind of like dr- drinking V, getting into Nixon, and then becoming like the superhero based on V energy drinks. And my entry was about using that $10,000 to go to San Diego Comic-Con which is the largest Comic-Con in the world. And uh, not just to go to Comic-Con, but to show my artwork. Wow, yeah. To see if I've got what it takes. Yeah. Or even get an idea of if I'm How do you do that, though? How do you actually get into Comic-Con? Can you buy a stall or something? Oh, you know, you buy a ticket, but it's fucking hard to buy a ticket. Uh, (laughs) But but at that time, I was working at the comic store uh, at Gotham, and so comic stores get free tickets. Ah, right. And so I just used that. But Um, how do you actually display your art, though, if you don't have a stall? Just take your portfolio. Just carry it around. Yeah, carry yeah. around, talk yeah. to artists and stuff. So, nice. um, back to hustling. Yeah. So, uh, fast forward a few months, uh, and I won. Wow. I won the 10 grand, uh, which was fucking crazy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, as I told you, it was like, when I got the check, and I was like, I haven't seen this many zeros since my last school report. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but it was fucking, it was fucking crazy. A kid from South Auckland, from Mangere, getting that much money. Like, it was the most yeah, money I've, I've, I've ever seen. And, um, in my in my bank account um and so with that money i didn't fucking waste it right uh, i didn't buy a new tv i didn't buy a, a new video game or anything i i, I bought art supplies because they're fucking expensive yeah um i upgraded my computer um, Great, cool and stuff and then th- i still had like 5k for the rest of the trip and Great. so nice that's so, very clever though yeah. I mean a lot of people would blow the money yeah exactly yeah. Like, like, um, and uh, for me I was just this is an shout opportunity shout for the boys yeah <laughs> like, this, I was like this is a fucking opportunity yeah. like, yes. don't fucking waste this right Absolutely. like test yourself yeah I was like dude test yourself so so uh, the following year because uh, by the time the competition had finished San Diego had, had finished for that in 2010 so the following year I had my tickets and I went over to San Diego Comic Con and back then they had portfolio reviews like the big companies still did portfolio reviews they don't really do them now anymore because it's just too hectic yeah but DC Comics had a portfolio review and so you get your portfolio uh, for the copies you put it in this cubby hole and then editors will take a look at it and then the following day they'll give you um, a callback if they if they like what they see right so I put my, my stuff in there took a photo because of course I had to for social media it's like hey look at me putting in <laughs> um, but the following day there was my name on the board Right, uh, which was fucking crazy. Yeah, wow. like, like as I said, I had flown fourteen hours. I'm a kid from South Auckland who dreamt about this stuff, and I just wanted to see if this is something I could do mm. if I was yeah. good at this or if I had uh, potential. Yeah, yeah. When I saw my name on the board, I was like, "Oh fuck, okay, uh, that's pretty crazy." 
Um, because I think about 150 to 200,000 people go to San Diego Comic Con, yeah. And so, you think about the people around the world who are artists or aspiring artists, Mm. yeah. And so, I thought I'm pretty good in New Zealand standards, but I'll probably be pretty average international wise. But that, uh, seeing my name on the board and then meeting the editor, uh, who saw potential in my work was so affirming, it was like it was what I needed. Yeah, awesome. To let me know that I can do this. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, um, and so, funnily enough, that first San Diego trip, I made so many friends. I became friends with a whole bunch of weather guys. Right. Um, because it was a pocket of home. I, I joked yeah, to them. Yeah. I said, I was "Were like, you there oh. by yourself?" I was there. I was there with my mate oh, yeah. uh, Ian, and um, we did a whole bunch of stuff. But we did San Diego and uh, and the weather booth. There was like this little pocket of, of home at San Diego Comic Con where everyone talked normally. Um, <laughs> Like when I was sick of American accents, so I just go to weather and talk to the guys. Um, <laughs> but also, um, that's where I met Michael Kingston, who's the writer and creator of Headlocked, All which right. is the graphic novel uh, series I'm drawing now. Yeah, yes. And so that that trip totally changed the trajectory of my of my career yeah. as yeah. an artist. And uh, like, not only did it affirm my abilities and my potential to do this, but also created connections that I still have today. That, yeah. Um, They've gone my work out there around the world. I was going to say, before we get into headlock, though, and the wrestling yeah. side of it, I wanted to just make a comment, really, more than anything, was there are so many people out there, in my experience, who will not take that risk because they think so many other people who are better than me, yeah. um, I'll never be... And because everyone's thinking that way, yeah. there's only a few that get to stick their head above the crowd and go, yeah. oh, it's actually quite lonely up here yeah. and I am only one of th- few people who have believed in themselves yeah. and you did you took a chance yeah no, and it, it paid off there was a group of us that like we got called back and I guess there was one guy uh, who may have been called like this may be his second callback like in, in, in a couple of years but he he was just like real arrogant like, right like he just took it for granted right yeah, and I remember yeah, sitting yeah. there because like I think the editors were a little late to for the meetings with us and he was just like kind of like annoyed, so like, fuck, you know, they should be they should be here by now. And then he was he was like talking himself up, like he had this air of fucking arrogance. And I remember sitting there going, "That's like a movie, the yeah. good guy, the bad guy, yeah. you got the kid." The- and I remember, I remember sitting there going, "I flew fourteen fucking hours to get to this place. Yeah, I would, I will wait as long as it takes, yeah. right? Because th- I this this isn't an everyday occasion for me." And maybe for him, yeah. So he's become fucking jaded and shit. Yeah. But for me, this was a special. It's like don't fucking waste this opportunity. Is all I was thinking. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, and I so, don't. I mean, I don't know. Obviously, that yeah. guy. But I mean, I know a lot of other people seem to be all puffed up too. Yeah. Like they've they've grown up with, you know, this whole thing. Like you're amazing. You're gonna yeah. you're gonna kill. Like you're gonna be incredible. And they kind of go, here I am, world. Where are all my yeah. opportunities? And yeah. Um. So yeah. So. But they also forget to be good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my my mantra, my mantra is. Do the work and don't be a dick. That's, there you uh, go, man. That's exactly. Um, that's it. That's, um, you've nailed it. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's it's, it's it was definitely life changing, and and I I I think I owed it to myself. I felt like I owed it to myself to give it a shot. Yeah. So was headlocked your foray into wrestling, or were you doing wrestling before then? I was I was doing wrestling before <laughs> I, I I got into headlocked. Okay. Uh, so I've been I've been a professional wrestler for Impact Pro Wrestling. Uh, for eleven years now, right? Um, wow. So yeah, my body feels <laughs> for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I just had like a Thai massage earlier today because I was fucked. But um, yeah, no, so I got you're, to... you're fucked at the Thai massage. Is that what you're yeah, right. <laughs> I was one of those. Happy ending. Yeah, no, it's, it's a legit one. <laughs> um, but 
Um, but I fell in, funnily enough, I fell in love with pro wrestling because of comics. Right. Right. Um, okay. So as a kid growing up, you know, you had WWF had just started on TV. Yeah. And I remember seeing it and think the first thing I thought was, this is comics in real life. They're like superheroes. Yeah. yeah. Right. You, know, you have these big muscly men with colorful tights, you know, battles versus good and evil. Did, did, yeah, so did you think evil. it was real at first? Yeah, of course. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and so for me, I was just like, this is comics, you know? <laughs> Uh, and so I fell in love with pro wrestling because of comics. Yeah, right. uh, you know we, there was no Marvel films back then, so you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so yeah, it was the closest thing to to comic books in real life that I had I could I had ever seen. So I fell in love with pro wrestling. Did you have to go around to your mate's place to watch the copied the VHS version of SummerSlam? Uh, like, yeah, there was a couple of mates that because uh, yeah. yeah, they, they weren't they didn't show that on TV. No, nah, yeah, they? it would yeah. be like get it from the video store and then yeah. uh, <laughs> and then we'll get together and watch uh, SummerSlam yeah. or st- stuff like that yeah. and. Um, and so how I got into Impact Pro Wrestling was I created a comic book, a pro wrestling comic, which was kind of me as a pro wrestler. And I thought it'd be really funny if this character became a real life pro wrestler. <laughs> and, right. so, and so Impact Pro Wrestling had a tryout. And I remember thinking very much, like this was before, way before the, um, the V energy drink money and shit. Oh, yeah. But um, I remember thinking, you know what? Just give it a shot. You know, uh, if I fail then at least I tried. I won't have that hanging over my head like, oh, I wish I could have done it. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could you know, I should have done it. I should have tried. Yeah. yeah. It's like, like if I failed, then sweet, I tried. Mm. That's, the, that's all I can ask for. There's nothing wrong with failing. Yeah. Right. Yeah, mm. that was 12 years ago. Mm. <laughs> 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 you know, so it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, I, I was surprised. What's your I, wrestling name? Uh, Liger. Yeah. Liger, that's right. So do, you half, ha- do you have like a suit or an outfit? Yeah, like, I, have, I have like a mask and stuff yeah. that I designed myself. And, and do you come become like a different persona in your head? <laughs> yeah, um, when that mask goes on, or yeah. if I'm in that wrestling ring without the mask, uh, I'm, a, I'm a totally different person. Does your composure change? Your uh, a little, I become more and, aggressive and yeah. I just want to fuck people up. Um, <laughs> and, I, and it's funny though, because I know a few of my friends have remarked about how ever since I've been wrestling, I'm a lot more chill now. Right, and I think it's more of like an outlet. Yeah. So, like, so like any oh, right. any like negative feelings I I, uh, I have or like stress or any 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 other of those feelings, I think it's a, it's a good outlet. Yeah, like I take it out and so on. Um, <laughs> and yeah, but like you know, I don't really feel those feelings. I guess because it does come out like once a month. Yeah. I just get an opportunity just to smash people, <laughs> and um, in the controlled environment. But yeah, uh, and without the cops being called on me. But um, but how but how real is the wrestling that you do? Uh, you know, it's professional wrestling, so yeah. uh, so there is that performance aspect. Yeah, it. it's, it's, does that mean um, there's choreography involved? There, there, there is, you know, there is a bit of a choreography. Yeah. Um, in terms of um, you know, being taught moves and mm-hmm. how to fall safely. Yeah. Um, everything fucking hurts. That's for sure. <laughs> right. Like, really. <laughs> um, but we're we're trained enough to absorb most of that to you know to lessen yeah that pain. Like, but everything we do hurts. So am I right in saying that you're not actually there to hurt each other, but you're there to perform? Yes. Right. Uh, so yeah, again, storytelling. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, right. Like each, uh, if you think like if you think about pro wrestling, there's a there's that performance aspect. There's the the, um, you know, the dips in the in the valleys. Yeah. And, yeah. Right. Um, and stuff the like and and, and, and and the story yeah. that they're telling, and it's a physical form of theater. Yeah. Do you choose who the good guy is and the bad guy is before you go in there, or are you both? Uh, yes. Um, no, a lot of times the character themselves will be a good guy or a bad guy. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, there's there's a position called a booker, um, who's the person that decides the storylines and who wins, okay. who loses, you know, that gotcha. kind of thing. Yeah. And um, and for the last year and a bit, I've 
I've taken the role of the booker. Okay. Um, along with uh, a partner of mine, uh, James Shaw, who's another wrestler. Um, and I kind of fell into that position because the previous booker was leaving. And I yeah. kind of thought, oh, I could probably do that. Because like, my job is storytelling. Storytelling, like, yeah. Like, my day job is storytelling. Yeah. So, um, so all that knowledge I've, I've built up as an illustrator, as a comic book artist, as a storyteller, could lend itself to pro wrestling. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so I I kind of have the, the what's called stroke um, to to go, hey, you lose, you win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's like, oh, am I going to win? No, fuck off. <laughs> so you pissed me off, you're going to lose. Uh, but no. Um, you, yeah. talk, you talked about those deep, those sort of dips in, in the peaks yeah. and valleys. Do, do, um, yeah, because you, you'd see within those fights, yeah. you know, someone's getting really fucked up, but then... Suddenly, is it a macho man who was, I know is your yeah. favourite wrestler, Randy Savage, who would be down and out and then suddenly his hand would go up? Yeah. Was it him? Yeah. Uh, yeah and no, then you know, okay, now yeah. it's on. He's yeah. going to come back from this. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, so, so yeah, very much it's a, it's a physical form of storytelling. It's a, it's a physical form of theatre. Right. Um, performance. And so, um, so pretty much you have what's called the shine. Um, so at the beginning, the good guy is is doing all this fancy stuff, all this fast paced stuff. Yeah. He's looking like he's looking like the shit. And like, yeah. The bad guys cowering and stuff. And so the crowd are like, "Yes, I love this guy. Yeah. This guy's great." And then um, before he could really capitalize on that momentum, the momentum gets shut down by the heel, which is the so heel is the bad guy faces the good guy. And does he cheat? Does he do something? Usually, it's a cheat. It's a right. shortcut. It's a cheat. Yeah. Um, and so the crowd are like, oh, hate bastard. him even more. Yeah. <laughs> and so and so it goes into what's called the heat portion, which is where the heel generates heat, generates. Uh, uh, no, so so you have the crowd up, yeah, and then you bring them down, and then you start slowly building back up. Right. Um, you know, very much like the crescendo yeah. and stuff. And you'll have moments in there where called hope spots, which allow little little um, peaks, right. just to because of the crowd kind of too down. Uh, you lose their energy. Yeah. So, you give, so, you, so you give them a little something to right. get their hopes up. That's why it's called the hope spot. Uh, um, okay. And so you have like this big up and then goes right down and then there's like a little up and then the crowd's like, yeah! And they're like, oh, boo, you suck! <laughs> yeah. And they're like, yeah, oh! Yeah, oh! And then you build it again and then once once something big happens, like maybe what's called a, a, a double down so both opponents are down, you start building up to the comeback. Right. And then that's when the crowd start you know, getting right, more interested. In right. So you slowly get like this build of energy. Yeah. And they cry like, yeah, come on, you can do it. And you get clapping, you get chanting, you get stomping. And then um, the face uh, starts coming back and starts hitting some of his big stuff. And the crowd are like, yes, you can do it. And there's that fighting spirit. Yeah. And so the crowd get behind this underdog because he's been, he's been cut down for so long. So they get more behind him. And then depending on how you want to win, uh, how you want the crowd to feel, which is the best part. That's the best fucking thing about pro wrestling. Yeah. Like for me, is being able to manipulate the, the, the audience's emotions. Yeah. And so depending on how you want them to feel at the end of the match, you have like the, yeah, boo, yeah, boo, yeah, boo, yeah, yeah. And then you can either have them go, yeah, or boo, depending on how you want them to feel afterwards. Right. So, so it's, 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 that's, that's kind of the general... Um, I feel kind like of, you just took us on a journey. Yeah. yeah. And as you, as you were telling us yeah. that whole um, dialogue, yeah. uh, in, in my mind, I'm flipping between Karate Kid and Rocky. Yeah. 
it's like what's the bit when he when he cheats yeah. and you know yeah. in Karate Kid where he kicks him, yeah, kicks kicks him, kicks him leg. leg, put yeah. him in a body bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that kind of, you see that? It was like, you know, take his leg up. Right, 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 right. Yeah, sweep the leg. Yeah, sweep the leg. Yeah. Yeah, so it's that it's that kind of stuff where you know, um, it's just storytelling. It's it's just a different form. Right. Um, and again, a lot of people take the surface elements like comic books. Yeah. Where they think it's just oily guys and tights doing crazy moves and yeah. oily guys in tights yeah um, that should be the name yeah. of something though shouldn't it <laughs> yeah but, some movie but or yeah something. But, like, but what we do in that ring is tell stories yeah and yeah. um and the audience uh what what's great about like uh, unlike a uh, normal theater is that the the crowd play an important part in the story we tell right you mm-hmm. know they're actually a part of it rather than you know like passive where hey this is the story we're telling you and they're like oh yay no yeah. they they actually are a part of the story we tell because it's their energy we feed off. Right. right. Um, and so, yeah, so it's this kind of symbiosis yeah. between the performers and the crowd. Oh, that's you great. Know? Um, and so, yeah, so it's, it's it's much more in-depth than people give it credit for. Yeah. You know, you hear the term fake bandied about whenever pro wrestling is mm. thing. And and so the word fake is almost like a, a word to kind of de- delegitimize Yes, that's yeah, right. Pro wrestling, yeah, yeah. Pro wrestling it's, a, is. it's a pejorative, right? Yeah. That people used to, yeah. Mm. And like you know, in um, and when I do, like we've done AUTO weeks, and the cool thing about that is that we can be a little bit more adult. What, what's the one? Mm. The o-, o week at, uh, AUT. Oh like yeah, we, all right, yeah. The orientation yep. weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've performed there a, a few times, and one of the things I like to do before we even start wrestling is jump on the mic and cut what's called a promo. Mm. And because we don't have to worry about little kids and stuff at AUT. And they're probably looking at wrestling going, oh, this is fake shit. Yeah. You know, look at this, these idiots. I jump on and go, oh, hands up, those of you who think wrestling's fake. You get a few hands and say, oh, I got two words for you. Fuck you. And they're like, what? <laughs> and it's like, and, and then, they, then they get into it because I'm not treating them um, like, like like kids. Yeah, yeah. You know? And then, uh, so yeah, so that's one of the things I love to do every week because uh, I, I get like, uh, I, I'm uncensored. Yeah. Because um, I love to swear and a lot of times I, I have to really I fight. I didn't notice. Um, <laughs> I have to really fight swearing in the ring when we're doing our own events right. but um but stuff like that and it's also knowing your audience mm. knowing like um the more you perform you know the more experience you have wrestling you get to understand what makes an audience feel certain ways yeah. at certain times you're reading and, the crowd yeah, reading the crowd and yeah. stuff you know um and so yeah so there's so much more wrapped up in the, yeah. than, than people really That's give, give it for. yeah um and like you know i i have a reputation for being one of the hardest hitters in uh in new zealand professional wrestling Right. Um, and I kind of say I'm Samoan I don't hit soft but um, it's part of that um, I, I hit I hit pretty hard but still very safely because right. I'm not a fucking idiot yeah. um, <laughs> there's no proper punching that was there in wrestling yeah no yeah. Like sometimes yeah. you get it yeah. like someone who doesn't know how to punch will punch you square in the face right. but you're but do they actually I'm gesturing as if the yeah. listeners can see me but do they actually like do a boxing punch in wrestling is it, is it not oh, more like it's, other sort it's, of it's more like a haymaker like, you know, right, like, yeah, right. you know, like for um, wrestling is very much like pantomime so yeah. your, your actions have to be big yeah. your actions have to be large right. so that the people at the back of the of the venue can see what you're doing Yeah. so it's very very pantomime like in that way but um, but sometimes you have someone who doesn't know how to punch properly right. and will actually punch you for real but you're well within your rights to give them what's called a receipt yeah. just punch him right back and go <laughs> fuck you um, but, but luckily like I've only had one person do that um, because he just didn't know how to control his punches, uh, but they knew that having him in the ring with me meant that he was going to not punch really hard because he knew I was going to fuck him up right back. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so it's that kind of thing. Like for me, I I, I hit very hard, I hit very solid, but very, still very safe in terms mm. of the pro wrestling aspect. But I like to do it that way because, despite the crowd going into professional wrestling, thing it's fake. Right. Um. Even for that split second when they hit someone really hard, you get them go, "Oh fuck!" You yeah. Can hear that? You can hear it. You can see it. You can feel it. And then people just for a split second forget it's fake. Right. 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 Um. And that's why I like to wrestle that way. Yeah. And that's why I think the crowd kind of likes likes it when I smash people because they're just like, <laughs> fuck, like, like we thought this was fake, but this guy's fucking up. You know? Do you have a signature move? Uh, yeah, like, uh, I throw a pretty mean clothesline. Right, um, okay. But, like, uh, one of the moves I call, uh, is called the cape killer, uh, where I grab someone around the waist and I kind of drop them on the head. And then the donkey lariat, which is similar to a donkey punch, but is a clothesline. So I pretty much clothesline someone in the back of the head. Oh, yeah, what's a, not what's a donkey punch? Oh, you haven't. You don't know what donkey. Punch I know is? the term, but I can't. Can you show him now? Oh, <laughs> yeah, show me so, on him. So, donkey punch is one of those like fucking weirdo sexual moves that were made up, but people fucking actually do it. <laughs> you know what it yeah. is. I don't. Uh, so you're you're doing someone from behind, guy or girl, uh, hey, uh, hey, whatever you're into, Danny. Yeah, whatever you're into, guy or girl, and as you're doing it from behind, just as just as you're about to come, you punch him in the back of the head. So. It's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it's a donkey punch. Uh, right, and you incorporated this into your show. So, yeah, so a donkey lair is a, is a clothesline to the back of the head. Right. At the yes. climax. It's not at exactly. The, at, at the climax of the match, I clothesline someone at the back of the head. See, so. the whole time when you said you fucked them up, I just, I, I thought, I thought um, you meant a different figure, figure right. yeah. So how often are these fights? Uh, pretty much once a month. Right. Um, the next the next event we've got happening at uh, Linfield Rec Centre, uh, the Eliminator, which is... Uh, April 22nd. So yeah. That's, yeah. And um, what does a normal day look like for you then? I mean, are you drawing all day? I mean, what? what what's yeah, I'm, 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 I'm drawing. I'm drawing a bit. Um, I also I also work part time at the comic book store. Oh, yeah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, you know, don't give up your day job. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so I work, I work part time at uh, Arkham City Comics um, with my mate Jeremy. Yeah. The one that got me uh, creating comics for the new ground anthology mm. um so we he opened up a store and i i kind of helped him build it uh and create it and where's and so, where's the most of the revenue from comic book sales these days is it are you selling more online or more uh, physical yeah, or? It's, it's um well we kickstart our our graphic novels all right we use kickstarter and so that pretty much funds the books yeah um but i sell them at conventions i sell them on my website um yeah, and yeah, but most of the time the the international audience is through Kickstarter. Yeah, uh, but I know we've we've had headlocked, which is a wrestling comic, um, be a part of what's called Wrestle Crate, which is like a loot crate type oh. thing for wrestling products. Oh yeah. Um. So that was a different avenue of getting our work out there. Right. Um. So, so yeah. talk about headlocked because that's a, an international um, graphic novel, isn't yes, it? Yeah. yeah. So, and you've been you've been able to combine your love of comics drawing for yeah. comics and wrestling. Yes. Because it's a wrestling mag, right? Yeah, it's a wrestling comic book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, headlocked. Um, like you know, was has been around since two thousand eight. I kind of came on board about two thousand twelve, uh, after the first Comic Con. Yep. That I met Mike Kingston. Um, and so it's about this kid, uh, Mike Hartman, who kind of drops out of college after going to a wrestling show and feels like, oh, yeah, I want to become a pro wrestler. I see fucking idiots like this all the time in real life. <laughs> but uh, again, they think that, oh, yeah, wrestling, you know, I could do wrestling and it's fake. I could, it's, it's easy. Right. Yeah, people equate fake for easy. Yeah. Oh, fuck, no, it's not easy. <laughs> yeah. um, 
And so he, it's kind of his journey into mm. becoming a pro wrestler, and he gets fucked up, right? Like, and that's the th- that's the thing I love about the headlock books. You know, I I, I like the character, and uh, and I've seen idiots like him in real life who uh, thought they could do pro wrestling, but they're fucking useless. Um, but the thing I love is drawing him getting fucked up. Like, right. I love those scenes. Like like he goes in there thinking, oh yeah, I know I know all this shit. I watch wrestling enough to know this shit. Yeah. And then the old school guys are like, hey motherfucker, I'm gonna. I'm going to stretch you. I'm going to make you cry. I'm going to fucking pop your shoulder. You know, kind of thing. Like little things like that where the old school mentality of uh, of just protecting the business. Yeah, yeah. And so he goes through that journey and, and the cool thing is that he kind of gets broken down uh, and now at this, uh, like in this juncture um, for the next graphic novel, um, I think we're starting to build him back up. Right. And something. So we had to break him down oh, okay. in order to build him into something. Yeah. And so it's, it's a good, it's a cool journey. That's, like that's I, cool. yeah. I really enjoy it because yeah, because as I said, like a lot of the times the stuff that happens to him in the comic, I was like, fuck, I would love to do that to some of the idiots. Yeah, they rock yeah. up to. And our, you really are taking yeah. a story out of your yeah. what you've experienced. Yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to fucking stretch some of those yeah. fucking idiots that come into the wrestling gym thinking they can do it, but they're fucking yeah. useless. It's like um, it's like music as well, isn't it? I mean, yeah, just you know, people who just go, I can do that. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's yeah. like, do you know how fucking long it yeah, takes like, to yeah, do this shit? Well, I always yeah. think though that, that they there are people who there's that term stars in their yeah. eyes. They get stars in their eyes, but they they're not they don't realize that it's also a very technical job, yeah. and it's a job that requires focus and discipline. And yeah. you know, I mean, it's one thing to draw a comic; it's another thing to then actually get it formatted and yeah. get it printed and figure out how to sell it and the, the whole process. And yeah. like with, with musicians, you know, you've got to actually learn the song and yeah. like have the right gear and turn up on time. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it's more than just being a rock star. Yeah, no, yeah. again, people mm. take the service elements of, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. of what we do. Exactly. Yeah. Music, comics, wrestling. They go, oh, you know, comics, superheroes. If I draw superheroes, I could draw comics. Right. Like, fuck no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, if I could do this cool wrestling move and, and go, oh, yeah, then I'll be a wrestler. It's like, fuck off. And he's like, <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, I really. And it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, it's like, I've got like this fucking, I got auto tune and shit. You know? Yeah, I, right. Yeah, I yeah. could be a musician. I can make beats. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. no, there's, there's, you know, it's like. A little bit more to it. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it's, 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 <laughs> people, people like who, who don't dedicate their lives to the craft yeah. always take the surface elements as what that actually is that's right and 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 the thing is is that no matter what you do there is always someone who's doing more yeah yeah. Mm. so if you have you know one foot in it's yep. just not going to be enough no yeah, yeah. You did, people, the the listeners wouldn't have seen the, the when you went oh yeah you yeah. did the point the Macho Man Randy Savage thing <laughs> and he's one of your your favourite uh, wrestlers if not your favourite right yeah, yeah. so um <clears throat> Tell us the story about how your piece of art ended up in his mum's bedroom. <laughs> well, yeah, so so Macho Man Randy Savage was one of my favourite wrestlers growing up as a kid. Yeah. And last year at uh, WrestleCon in Dallas, uh, I got to meet his brother, Lanny Poffo. Right. Uh, funny enough, Lanny's wrestled here in New Zealand. He wrestled, because uh, he asked where I was from because of my accent. Mm-hmm. I said from New Zealand. He goes, oh yeah, I wrestled in Auckland, Rotorua and, uh, and Wellington. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Um, but I gave him a copy of this Macho Man uh, artwork I did for a UK wrestling magazine yeah. cover and uh, as a thank you. And uh, Lanny said to me, because you know I'm going to do with this kid, I'm going to give this to my mother. She's 89 years old and she needs something to put a smile on her face. Nice. And so apparently my artwork of Macho Man is hanging in his mother's house, which is fucking <laughs> crazy. That's amazing. So he let yeah. you know later that... that oh, no, I never kept in contact with him. Right, but right. I was just like, fuck, if that's, if that's hanging, that, that's fucking crazy. Yeah, like, that's uh, amazing. What is it about the, those wrestlers, though, that tend to die pretty young? Because he was what, not 60 yeah, or... No, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he was 50-something yeah. uh, when he died. And that was maybe... Uh, 
what was uh, that was a few years ago, like ten or yeah, or like five years ago or something. Yeah, what did he die of? Uh, just a heart attack. Right, um, right, and like it's it's weird because you know like the old school wrestling. You know, there was there was a lot of traveling, there was a lot of partying, alcohol, drugs, yeah, yeah. painkillers and stuff, right. steroids. Like yeah, they, they really shortened a lot of their lives. You know? Yeah, man. I mean, the Ultimate Warrior was yeah. my favorite. Yeah, uh, and he's he's gone too. Right? Yeah, he, he died three years ago. I think. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, so a lot of those old school guys are like dying at like yeah. before they were sixty or sixty. Yeah. You know? yeah. And stuff and um, and yeah, it and it wasn't much... focused on like to take care of yourself. Right? Nah, like, no, no, yeah, back then it was just about party. Rock, yeah. You're a rock star because that would have been yeah. what the '80s, the height yeah. of all of that. Yeah, '80s, yeah. Yeah, the rock, so, the era of rock and rock, right. rock and wrestling. And, yeah. Like, was yeah, they were rock stars, and so they were yeah. just doing anything and yeah. everything. Yeah, it was um, the it was the decade without consequence, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Decade, and then and then and then all the consequences. Yeah, <laughs> and then they got older, they survived, and they're like, oh, we're fucked. Yeah, then the stock market crashed, and everyone got AIDS. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone got eight. Everyone's got yeah, eight. That's, that's what happened. Yeah. And then Nirvana came out. Something, something. <laughs> um, so, what are you working on at the moment? What, what can you uh, tell us about? Yeah, so, so I'm currently working on the Cook Island Heroes illustrations. I've got a few of those left to do. Uh, then I have a short comic story, uh, backup story for uh, an Australian uh, creator, uh, Sean Keenan. Uh, XCT. It's like a, it's like a warriors from history have kind of been cloned and they're kind of set into gladiator battles yeah um, oh, right. kind of thing so i'm doing a short story about genghis khan uh fighting mark anthony um, oh, mark anthony so so that's gonna be fun uh, yeah and uh wait and then, how, so how do they meet is this time travel stuff uh, no, no no they they, 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 they they're cloned they're cloned yeah, so oh, it's right, kind of like it's in yeah, the yeah, future yeah, yeah. and they're cloned gotcha. and then uh and then they kind of set up in gladiator fights it's, yeah. it's, i should say that just to go back to the thor um trailer that yeah. was released today there's a scene in there where Thor is fighting the Hulk yes. in a gladiat- yeah. gladiatorial kind of setup, and you can see Tucker Waititi all over it. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, yes, yeah. I know him from work. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's a friend. I know him from work. Um, uh, so you're working on that, and when's, when's any of this going to be released? Uh, hopefully later this year. Uh, I've also got um, headlock stuff. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I'm just waiting on the script from is a script from Ric Flair. So I'll be illustrating a story of Rick no Flair. shit yeah wicked um, so that's pretty fucking crazy is that uh, for headlocked no for headlocked yeah. right for so headlocked. he's written a story so he's writing a backup story uh, and him and Mike are writing a backup story so it's Mick Foley uh, and the mankind dude love Cactus Jack right um, he's doing a story Cody Rhodes who is the son of Dusty Rhodes um, and stuff so yeah it's a pretty crazy lineup we've got and I'm illustrating the Rick awesome, Flair story man. which is fucking crazy that's amazing uh, how long does it take to actually illustrate it uh, it depends. Uh, I try and average a page a day. Oh, yeah. um, sometimes it'll take two, three days, depending on the amount of work needed for the right. page. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, what? How many pages are on a normal comic book? So uh, normal comic book there's like twenty two, twenty four pages. Okay. Uh, but with Headlock, I do the full graphic novel, so it's one hundred and fifteen pages. Shit. Um, which is about four to six months of my life. Right. Funnily enough, before I did the first Headlock that uh, I completed, before I did the one hundred fifteen pages of that. Uh, the longest story I'd ever done in comics form before that was 12 pages so it was fucking trial by fire <laughs> was, uh, yeah man yeah so like, I was so used to doing 6 pages 8 pages 12 pages and then I had to do 115 pages which was <laughs> which was a fucking feat unto itself and I was pretty proud that I managed to get it done in fucking yeah. by deadline um, yeah. but it was one of those things where you just you just get into the flow of it yeah um and I was just like, fuck, I can't believe I've done all that. 
Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, it's, 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 yeah, so 115 pages. I illustrate 115 pages. Yeah. But seeing that I'm doing this backup story with Ric Flair, it means I'll be doing 120, 121 pages. Yeah. So yeah. Right. Oh, so there's a main story and then there's another. Yeah. So yeah, the back, the backup stories are from usually from famous wrestlers. Oh, okay. Um, so it's kind of like Kickstarter exclusive content. Right, um, right, right. So yeah, special editions, um, and then once they're sold out, um, like we'll get a few extras for conventions and stuff. Once they're sold out. The only way you could get them is through Kickstarter. Right. Um, That's nice. So whenever we do Kickstarter campaigns, the previous ones are still available, but um, but only through that. Um, yeah. And where can people um, either contribute to Kickstarter or, or follow your work online? Yeah. So uh, yeah. So we've got a Kickstarter campaign at the moment. Uh, I think it finishes April thirtieth oh, yeah. American time. So yeah. Uh, so probably June first, uh, May third, May first here. Um, and so you just look for, you just uh, go to Kickstarter, search Headlocked uh, the hard way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll find the campaign. I think we've just reached our goal. Right. Uh, but we've got like a, a stretch goal. Uh, I think our goal was 20,000. We've just gone over that today or in the last 24 hours. Wow. Uh, but we've got a stretch goal at 25,000, which uh, brings in a story from um, this luchador called Pentagon Jr. Uh, and he's pretty badass. He's got like this kind of horror gimmick. He goes around breaking people's arms um and stuff and like yeah he, he uh, he's 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 blown up in the last couple of years right so how many people are contributing to get to that kind of figure uh i think when i last looked at it was just shy of 350 backers okay. Interesting. Uh, yeah. for the 20k yeah uh, there's all sorts of um rewards like like you can be drawn into the book Right. Um, oh, no shit. You know, and you can also get original artwork from me um, <laughs> as well. We are sketch whatever character you want. I want to be drawn to this. I want um, that. Contribute? Yeah. yeah. I draw I'll myself in the, in the hair like the other time. Just in the background waving. Yeah, yeah just hey. background. Like, uh, we, one, of the, one of the issues, uh, one of the graphic novels had a battle royal, so like a Royal Rumble situation. Yeah. And so I do like draw like 20 wrestlers in the ring or making their way to the ring. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to put Liger in there. Uh, so, Fair enough. Uh, it's like, oh, who the fuck do I put in this? I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll put myself in it. Right. Because it's my work and I'm vain as fuck. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it was just that kind of thing, like stuff like that. And I throw in like my mates and like other wrestling friends. It's like, right. oh, I feel like drawing this guy. You know? um, so there's little things like that where um, they kind of make it fun. Yeah. And, the, and then also people can follow you on your website. The- yes, yeah, yeah. Um, so... Funnily enough, uh, my website is bloodysam1.com. Right. Um, you can just Google. That's from the wrestling, though, eh? When you get bloody. From no, the, no, no. no. It's, 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 actually, it's actually from when I was a little kid. Yeah. Just one of those terms you heard white people say all the time. <laughs> um, right. we, um, tell him what the word for white, white person is in someone, because he heard it for the first time with um, when Pele was there. Yeah. Going, what, what does that mean? Balangi. Yeah. Right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. I haven't so, heard that before. Uh, oh, man, you love the sheltered yeah, Not life. from Samoa. <laughs> not from Samoa. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a sheltered white person. Um, but, uh, yeah, Balangi. So, like, uh, so Balangi used to say all the time, you know, oh, that bloody Samoan. You know, it's a very, uh, not a derogatory term, but it's a very negative term. Yeah, yeah. And it was one of those things that I thought would be funny to take that negative and turn it into a positive. Okay, right. And, uh, and the Samoan flag is predominantly red as well. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of turned it, like, this blood splatter to the Samoan flag which kind of led into the whole bloody Samoan yeah. oh yeah I saw that on your t-shirt yeah, you, yeah. yeah. Right. so that's my, that's my logo the bloody Samoan logo um, oh, okay. and yeah and, and it kind of also um, represents like coming from Maangere South Auckland mm-hmm. you know like a, a, a an area with a negative connotation with right. a negative uh, vibe that people seem to give it and being a positive 
Um, yeah. And so yeah, so so he kind of took that term and and just went fuck it. I'm gonna I'm gonna own it. Turn it upside down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Take gonna, some power yeah. out of it. And know. so yeah, exactly. And so like when when people are like, oh, what's your website? Oh, what's your email? Um, it's like oh, Macaul at bloodysalmon dot com, and they're like, <laughs> like they crack up because they come. They, there's, yeah. there's, like, there's a pretty cool website. Like I remember when when I registered my company and I was ringing called up IRD um, to set up a GST, and uh, and they were like, oh, um, so what's the company name? And he's like, oh, <laughs> Bloody Salmon Art Studio, and the guy started cracking up and was like, that is the best company name I've ever heard. You know, so it's that kind of thing. Yeah, taking the power away from it and, yeah. and, and turning it into something positive. Yeah. So yeah, so Bloody Salmon. Anything you Google that, you don't even have to know my fucking name. You just Google <laughs> Bloody Salmon because my name is really hard to spell. But um, so you just go Bloody Salmon. You'll find my website. You'll find my Twitter. You'll find my Facebook. You'll find right. my Instagram. Yeah, all nice. that shit. Um, you know, I'm all up in, in those free platforms. Awesome. Um, to to kind of get my name out there and my work out there wicked hey so. thanks for coming in all this way from just around the corner <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> just up the road yeah and uh, being involved in that we really do appreciate it man it's been awesome no, 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 by. it's been, yeah, been no, awesome dude yeah. thank you for having yeah. me yeah. Yeah. Wicked. it's been fun thanks Mikel for being uh, a great guest and uh, we'll have you back for sure once you've got some wrestling stuff going on. What's his website address? Do you remember? It's the bloodysamoan.com. That's right. Yeah. Or at not, but it's just bloodysamoan.com. Right. So check that out and um, go and watch one of the wrestling shows. Awesome. Yeah. And uh, thanks also to Nick Portman and um, uh, Giant Knob Studios. <laughs> <laughs> check out his website, nickportman.productions. And um, thanks everyone for. Yes, thing. we couldn't do it without you guys, and we uh, really well, we could do it without you guys, but it'd be pointless. It'd be weird. Exactly. Good point. It'd be very, very it'd be weird. Boring as fuck. <laughs> Take it easy. See you. If you find what we're doing useful and you like this podcast, please do like, share, and subscribe, and give us a review on iTunes.